keep adding up that the Charlotte Hornets will take Brandon Miller at number two. Plus, there's some more information coming out about Miller's pre-draft process. We discuss all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. As always, we are free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube, where we just passed the 4,000 subscriber mark, and we really appreciate it. If we get to 5,000 subscribers, Doug, Doug Branson, a very Hornets box score, will don a grandmama dress with the wig and the pearls. And I got the hat. The I finally, after, after many, many weeks, I didn't think I was going to get the hat. I ordered the hat from like this small shop in New York online. I thought they just took my money and ran. But all of a sudden, many weeks later, the uh, the hat shows up that looks exactly I, like the grandmama hat. So, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, we did have an episode months ago where I was like, oh, well, they just I just sent my money somewhere and they <laughs> they think There's that I'm some mafia operation in New York just took my money. No, I got the pillbox hat. Uh, I also want to mention uh, for the listeners that are watching this on YouTube, both of us have decided to wear a purple shirt today. We are first time ever. Yeah. Twinsies. (laughs) We don't see each other before the show until the little graphic goes away and reveals us. So how did you feel about seeing us as twinsies? It's hilarious because it just makes me realize how little I wear purple because you wear that Lamello shirt pretty frequently. Like, I don't know, once a week, something like that. You'll don the Lamello thing. And this is a new shirt for me. So I'm sporting Glenn Rice today. I went crazy on T Public, Doug. I had the Grandmama Shouts. shirt on Monday. I had my Muggsy and Minute Bowl shirt on yesterday. So I went crazy on T Public. There's Glenn Rice. I just don't feel like there are enough Glenn Rice shirts roaming around Charlotte. When the guy's three year run was offensively the best three year stretch. Uh, no, just no question about it here in the Hornets franchise history. That's, that's, so, the pro- that's, that's one of the problems with Charlotte Hornets history in general is that. The players that we really should celebrate more, we don't because mm-hmm. their tenure was relatively short. You know, we talked yesterday oh, yeah. on yesterday's show about the 35th anniversary coming up. And I, I think, again, that's part of the struggle with celebrating the 35th anniversary, especially so short after the 30th anniversary. But, the, but it's difficult because, number one, they don't have a storied history in the playoffs. But also, some of the players that you want to celebrate were only here for a few seasons. I mean, yeah, the, so Glenn was here for three years. The The shooting numbers, I, I wish I could do them justice. I, they, they were absolutely crazy. To shoot 47% on the volume, lead the league in minutes alongside Anthony Mason, oh, it's was fun. They didn't get deep to the post, in the postseason because, well, their owner now, Michael Jordan, he would stop some of that every once in a while. Um, but it was a lot of fun, even if it was those three years and they didn't make deep postseason runs. It was fun to relative success here with the Charlotte Hornets. So again, that's Doug. He writes about the Hornets on his Substack again, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And I'm Walker Mayo. Catch me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Also, I did want to remind everyone that this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Today's episode brought to you by Bird Dogs, where you can go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. And when you enter promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order. So we appreciate Bird Dogs sponsoring the show. All right, Doug, let's get to the current players or the players that might be here in a Charlotte Hornet uniform. Let's focus a little more on Brandon Miller today because we had the previous reporting from Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN 
that the interviews weren't going very well for Brandon Miller. And then we saw some people combat that, whether it be our very own Rafael Barlow of Locked On Big Board, who said that he had heard Brandon Miller had tonsillitis, and that's why some of the interviews weren't going very well, which is possible. Well, now Brandon Miller, he was out of shape. The interviews weren't going great. Maybe that was because he did indeed have mono. So that would be a real problem if you are trying to evaluate, one, talking a whole lot, and two, trying to play basketball as hard as you can so you can get drafted as high as you can. So that's one thing about Brandon in the pre-draft process. I'll say something else before I kick it to you. The Hornets are also sending attorneys to Alabama to investigate Miller's role in the shooting death of Jamia Harris. And so Brandon Miller was driving the vehicle that had the gun in it that would then be relayed to Darius Miles, then be used by somebody right alongside Darius Miles and shooting Jamia Harris to death. And so that was a very serious role throughout the college basketball season. But Brandon Miller wasn't suspended for some long period of time. Alabama was criticized. Of course, the Hornets or whoever is going to draft Brandon Miller can accept or can expect, I should say, and maybe even accept some type of PR backlash and some sort of criticism. I don't even know how much, though. What do you make of those two things real quickly in the pre-draft process, Doug? Well, so, yeah, when we say he was out of shape, uh, he w- it wasn't like he, he was uh, coming in there schlumpy. Uh, he was he just had had lost some weight and he was mm-hmm. already a, a guy that probably needed to hit the weight room regardless. Uh, but because of the mono, he had lost some weight. So he probably looked um, pretty thin and, and he didn't play. So, you know, teams are going to have to wait until the possibility of an individual workout. And the mono probably set back his whole pre-draft process. You know, these guys after their seasons are over, they gear up, get their bodies ready, get their minds right uh, to show off for these teams. And while other people were doing that, you know, he was forced to sit down. I've had mono. I don't know if you've had mono. I've um, not. It makes you super tired, like to the point where it's like, I cannot get out of bed. I must remain here um, because I cannot even walk to the to the refrigerator to get a drink. I had it in my senior year of high school. Uh, and oh, so it's these old kissing Doug Branson back in the day. I see well, me. No comment uh, so, <laughs> to protect to protect the innocent. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it is serious, and and hopefully um, he is almost recovered. I mean, I think it took me you know nearly a month and a half to get over it. Um, so you that's know, what I was going to ask too. Like that that's the thing I noticed. That's the, I don't know much about mono. I know that it lasts a long time. I had what's well, different. Of my best it's different and, for everyone. I mean, everyone's yeah. body responds to it differently. Um, and and there's not. I mean, I don't know. It's been a long time since I had it. So maybe they've. But you know, when I had it, they were like, "Look, there's not much we can do for you. You know, you kind of just have to fight your way through it." So I don't know if the science has changed on that, or you know, and these guys. I typically have pretty good care for them as they prepare to to launch themselves into the NBA. So I imagine if there was something that they could do to get him uh, through an accelerated process, they probably done that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's difficult now. Teams are already kind of making a bet on, on these players because they're coming out at 18 or 19. And when something jumps in the way like this, that's difficult. And then you add on the fact that you've got this incident that there's real concern about in terms of like a lawsuit, I assume from the Harris family uh, that could involve Brandon Miller and his role, um, and you or or any other kind of information coming out. Because I'm sure some teams look at this and go, "Is there some 
big time college. Now, Alabama basketball is big now, but Alabama football, I'm sure there's some, you know, over the many years, there has been some uh, help from the community, maybe. And we've, look, I'm a Tar Heel fan. I know, I know all about, you know, police being a little bit more friendly towards, uh, you know, big time basketball players than they would be to the general public. So I'm sure there's some concern from teams like, hey, was this a situation where maybe he was a little bit more involved than he was letting on? And that, that's going to come out eventually. Uh, so they, they've now sending a team of lawyers. Look, that doesn't seem good, you know, when you're having to send your inter- attorneys to investigate what happened with a player that you could be potentially committing uh, a, a, a super high draft pick to. None of that seems great to me. Well, no, especially with the report also. I believe in this, re- in this Gavoni reporting too that the Hornets want to bring back Miles Bridges, just flat out saying it in this report. So there's wanting to bring back Miles. That complicates things just from a legal standpoint, right? Miles Bridges had the felony domestic violence arrest, and now here you are bringing Brandon Miller, who, let's be clear, was not charged with anything. It's not criminally involved from a standpoint where he's going to be arrested, at least at this point in time. Things could change based on whatever, but that's exactly why Alabama, that was their defense, whether you think that's camouflage or not, that was their defense as to allow him to play basketball throughout the course of the regular season. So there are some reports as well about Brandon actually doing well with the content of the interview. Somebody that seems like he does want to surround himself with better people. When we go to that cliche, getting out of any situation that is deemed bad. So I will just gather more information (laughs) through people gathering more information and see exactly what happens with Miller, but it could be a little, it could be a wide range and Dougie's interviewing with 12 teams. So if Scoot well, Henderson he knows. is interviewing, <laughs> he right. knows it could be a wide yeah, range. Exactly. So if Scoot Henderson is only interviewing with three, like, nah, man, if if the Hornets pass up on me, cool. But Portland sure isn't. But with Brandon, it's like, all right, if if this thing gets crazy, then maybe I do need to interview with 12 that is reported here. And so he understands like this thing could be a slip and fall in the draft come the selection process night. Well, we should mention that I think the teams that were disappointed in the interviews were – it seemed like from this reporting that they were disappointed essentially that that Brandon Miller came armed with a lawyer of his own and some paperwork that essentially said, I can't talk about a lot of this uh, because it is an ongoing investigation. And teams wanted answers because, hey, in a few weeks, we're about to commit a decision that could – uh, set our franchise on the right track for the next decade mm-hmm. or or continue on the wrong track if you're the Charlotte Hornets. So they wanted answers, and now they've got to send resources down to Alabama to, to do some investigating of their own because they're not getting satisfactory answers from the Brandon Miller team. There is one other thing from this report that I think makes this whole situation uh, even more tenuous, even more scary, and I think we should talk about it in the next yeah. segment. Yeah. All right. So what a tease. Let's do it. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We had long been speculating about the sale of the Charlotte Hornets. Could it be really affected by the NBA draft? We'll get to that in just a moment. But this episode first is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are pants or shorts that have a fantastic fit. 
They are extremely comfortable. They're also very versatile, so you can look better and feel great wearing bird dogs. Their stretchy fabric makes legs look fantastic. I'll always point to Doug Branson mm -hmm. wearing his bird dogs I'm wearing and them showing right now. off his butt on camera. Fantastic. They're comfier than any other shorts or pants out there. They give Doug and everyone else the freedom to wear a pair of shorts or pants. Room to breathe. Court. I would say room go. to breathe. Okay. If you there. if you know what I mean. And I think I think we do. Don't Doug Doug be a little raunchy today with the mono and raunchy? the room to breathe and the bird dogs. Oh yeah, Doug Branson. Bird dog um, in it. You, you can wear them to a meeting, a date, or just hanging out with friends, doing a podcast such as Doug is. There are so many different ways that you can wear bird dogs. So what you can do is you can go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. And when you enter promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll even throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So you get your bird dogs and you get your tumbler when you visit birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. More Locked On Hornets coming up next is locked on hornets but i have seen him go all That's the way up to number 10 that was is there a warning do we I need was to get trying, out of here okay here's the thing my i don't know if you heard but my watch went off and i was trying to silence it and then i accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged and and now here we are <laughs> i'm doing my best man it seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug. So what you so seductively teased at the very end of the segment, there was something else about this report. Oh, do you have your tumbler? Is that your bird dog tumbler? I got my okay. tumbler. I'm, tot I'm totally bought and sold on this program. It's fine because I, I'm enjoying this uh, tumbler, and it came at a perfect time because I lost my Nalgene. Uh, the, the, I'm sure people have seen it on the YouTube channel, the purple uh, and teal Nalgene that I have, RIP. I, I miss you already. But um, this bird dog tumbler came just in time. <laughs> you are a company man you are very much so a company man and i appreciate it all right let's go to what you teased here doug because something else in this report or what jonathan gavoni was discussing he said quote michael jordan was awaiting the possibility of landing the number one pick before deciding whether to proceed with the sale sources told espn it remains to be seen whether moving up to number two changes that plan and what the timetable might look like if a sale did occur, as well as how that might affect the front office's decision-making process <laughs> in regard to who to draft. To be fair, this is exactly what we speculated. It's the yeah. thing we talked about quite a bit. If they land Wimby, that is going to affect the sale of the team. Now, I didn't know whether it was going to serve as a catalyst or serve as something you wanted to hold on to because they immediately become more valuable. Wimby increases the value exponentially right off the bat scoot doesn't as much but he does increase the value the number two pick is going to make this a little more exciting than what it was if you would have gotten the sixth pick i think pretty significantly so so i i just didn't know if michael would have wanted to hold on to it or sell it and now it feels like he's trying to make that decision as well what did you make of that little excerpt yeah it's tough it's a little vague so it's a little up to your interpretation it's probably going to be um you know somewhat influence your interpretation by how you feel about the front office uh, i'm going to interpret this as meaning that if this is just how i feel i don't have any extra reporting on this but i just feel like if jordan and company own the number one pick 
and it was Victor Wembanyama, they would feel like, okay, we've got a chance to turn this thing around. And from Michael Jordan's perspective, I think I can care again. Because I think we've been through many years now Hmm. where Michael Jordan, not that he hasn't cared at all, but there have been other things that it's pretty clear, like his race team, that he he cares a lot more about at this point. Um, And I think the number of seasons that this team has not won a playoff series under his management has worn on his patience and worn on his ability to care as much as as he probably would otherwise. And so if you've got Victor, all of a sudden that completely changes. Because I don't know that Victor Wibanyama really raises the sale number to some degree where it would actually influence a decision. I mean, I think he's going to make a lot of money regardless of whether it's Victor or whether it's Scoot or Brandon Miller. Um, But I I do think now that the sale is more of a possibility, and that scares me because I don't I don't see how they can get. I mean, maybe it happens. Maybe they sell the team and then this new uh, ownership group is able to be installed and a new general manager comes in. But it seems like really late in the process in this draft process to have that happen at this point. So now you've got this potential scenario where uh, Mitch Kupchak is selecting a draft pick that and then leaving uh, you know and leaving that draft pick uh for the the next generation of hornets ownership and and manage management and when you're talking about a guy in Brandon Miller that does have some of these you know concerns off the court that <laughs> concerns enough for a team to send a team of lawyers to Alabama to investigate and you add on to that the Miles Bridges decision all of a sudden you know, the, the Hornets could have a lot of problems in their lap and, and the people responsible for uh, presenting those problems are all of a sudden gone. Well, and and two, you're, you're right about that. There's enough of an indecision here between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson to where any next regime could come in and say they didn't like this pick. They wouldn't say it, but there could be some reports and use uh, inside yeah. mouthpieces to say it. But also at the same time, when you're this high up in the draft, that becomes comes a little less believable because if you're sixth or seventh, then you quite literally, I mean, you could want anybody at that point, but if you're up here at number two, if Scoot Henderson is, I don't know what percentage you want to put on it. Let's say Scoot Henderson is 60, 60% what people think the Hornets should do at number two. And Brandon Miller is 40%. Now, not what the consensus is right. But just fans, it, it seems like we're getting more Scoot advocates than Brandon Miller at, advocates at least on the youtube comment section what 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 i get on wfnz twitter feels like still people are in on scoop but regardless it's not like a new regime could come in and say well we would have done something completely different i mean i guess you could have traded that for pieces to win now but also with these new owners they want the young star to help them kind of progress too so yeah I, i don't know i don't know what the new regime would do but you're right it's because of that uncertainty that might leave you a little scared And Doug, we are getting added reporting here. Brandon Miller at least is the favorite right now among any insider out there, I guess. Like Jonathan Gavoni, he said the consensus was in Chicago at the lottery event at the Combine that Charlotte was going to take Brandon Miller. And now we have this report, um, or this article, I should say, on Bleacher Report from Jonathan Wasserman saying, quote, there is a current belief that members of Charlotte's front office think Brandon Miller can be a star. The idea that Scoot is the obvious Victor Wibinyama consolation prize has lost strength over the last few months. Some noted that people made up their minds on Henderson too early, especially after his big game versus Wimby. But there it is. Some people believe the Hornets think Brandon is a star. 
Now, this is also kind of the, all right, well, how much of that sourcing is coming from within the organization, right? Both of these reports from Gavoni or Wasserman, they're not saying sources from the Hornets tell me they like Miller. And I guess that would betray some confidence if you're reporting. I don't know. Just not buying it. Like, I'm just not doing that right now. I can't. We have, we've had so many people get draft projections wrong this early, even if it is down between two guys, because they don't want you to know who they're going to take. I mean, Carolina in the NFL draft, they had the number one pick. It didn't matter. Orlando last year in the NBA draft, it didn't matter. But they still didn't want you to know who they were going to take because of maybe paranoia, because of maybe it just opens up the door slightly for any kind of strategy that they want to go outside of just selecting whoever at number one, they don't want you to know. And that's what I think here is happening. They still aren't having any of that sourcing come from within the organization. Yeah. It's super early. Like we haven't even, uh, we haven't even gotten to the pro days for both of these guys. Um, uh, No individual workouts. If if those are going to manifest for Charlotte, Uh, you know, so I, I think we're really early in this process. I don't put a lot of stock into it. I would say on the Hornets traditionally being tight-lipped, that is true, but they haven't often been in this position where literally the entire world of the NBA is looking at them. I tweeted out the picture of Kevin from the office saying, everyone is looking at me. Like, that's how the Hornets (laughs) feel right now because unofficially, they are on the clock. Everyone... Uh, is uh, 99.9% confident that Victor Wibanyama is the pick for the Spurs, meaning everyone is paying attention. Everyone is picking around the edges. Everyone's asking, you know, there there are a lot of people on a NBA team's executive team, and, and it just takes one of those people that are in the know to start mm-hmm. chirping. Um, so it's, you know, this is not a scenario where, like, everybody's just asking for an off-the-record comment from uh, Mitch Kupchak. That's not, you know, this is asking everybody, and, and all it takes is one person to talk. So I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna completely discount if if this were the 11th pick then then it's like yeah they, you know, nobody's gonna talk about the 11th pick but you're talking about the number two overall pick when you are unofficially on the clock I think we should lend a little bit more credence to some of these rumors but not this early in the process I think we need to take a couple more steps before I'm ready to be convinced and then as you said though everything gets flipped on its head when it comes down to the draft. Because I think one thing we do know about Mitch Kupchak is that he operates down to the last minute. Like, this is not a guy. I mean, he's almost said as much when when he's been talking about the the sort of draft war room experience. This is a guy that's going to be taking calls and and figuring stuff out and moving things around on the draft board right down to the last second before he makes that pick. This is not a guy who, like, locks it in, puts on the the horse racing blinders, Hmm. you know, three weeks in advance and moves forward. So – we got to, I mean, buckle in, strap in. We got a long way to go. And, you know, subscribe to the Locked On Hornets podcast. <laughs> do all of that. It is imperative that you do all of that. All right. We'll have some finishing thoughts on that and discuss a departure from the Hornets organization coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. 
Charlotte lost an assistant coach. It's pretty damn high regarded. How big of a deal is that going to be next season and beyond? We'll get to that in the last segment today. But first, I did want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And you should make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. They have great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure app. You can get paid instantly. All perks of joining FanDuel right now. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. But I have seen him go all the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we need to get out of here? Okay, here's the thing. I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off and I was trying to silence it. And then I accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged. And and now here we are. (laughs) I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Yeah, I wanted to finish up some of the conversation from the last segment about the leaks. And you're right. Like it even so I was at first I was going to say, well, we were kind of in this situation when LaMelo was the third pick and all eyes were on us, except all eyes weren't on us to this level. You're so right, because not only are you moving up one selection, but it's also a much more high profile draft. Now, LaMelo did bring his own contingency of, you know, like of this popularity of him being a star out throughout high school, you know, being the guy that cherry picked his way to a hundred points when he was a freshman on the Chino Hill squad. Like we knew, especially with his older brother. So people did want to know who was drafting LaMelo and people got that very wrong. There were some reports out there. It was like, Hey, the Hornets are not going to be drafting LaMelo. And what do they do? They draft LaMelo number three. So I think you go back to Orlando and then even Carolina this year with the number one pick. I, I just think, it is going to be hard this early to your point, but also, yeah, everybody wants to know what Charlotte's going to do. You know what the Spurs are going to do. What is Charlotte going to do? Because that dictates what's Portland going to do. And yeah. then there's a big story there about, okay, well, does Damian want to play alongside Scoot Henderson? They already gave money to Anthony Simons. And so, you know, there's this domino effect that does start with Charlotte. So I imagine you're right. A lot of people are going to be knocking on the door, trying to get information out of that team. Like objectively, I'm glad the Hornets have the number two overall pick, but subjectively, I would rather be in Portland's position, which was well, Charlotte's so many position. people have said that. Yeah, they yeah. just don't want the decision. Just watch your hands done. Just give me the leftover. Well, I want the decision. I want the decision. I don't want I do the, the Hornets to have the decision. Uh, so many people. <laughs> like, I don't want that front office to. I would love the decision because I would just mark it down now, Scoot, and move forward. But I don't want them to have the decision. Well, so um, I don't try, right. I'm sorry. I don't trust my front office right now. A front office that, by the way, might not even be the front office next season. That's right. No, of course. If we were the GM, we'd get it right. That's why I trust us. Of course. Not Mitch Kupchak. Um, all right, Doug, did, you had something that you wanted to kick off the last segment with. What was on your mind? I'm just I'm just disappointed, man. Um, I, I don't think I don't think this LeBron to Charlotte thing is going to ever happen. It looks like he's on the road to retirement. <laughs> I just don't. 
I've been, I'm now, hold on though. You know, this, uh, I know we're talking about this draft right now, but Hey, this 2024 drafts coming up, mm-hmm. Bronny James still in the mix. Who knows where Charlotte's going to land in that draft. And Hey, they've got a lot of draft asset assets in this one. I don't know if you've heard, they've got five draft picks. They do. It doesn't seem like Mitch is going to make all of those picks. So maybe he turns that into uh, some draft capital for next season. Draft Bronny James, LeBron comes out of retirement to play for Charlotte. Who knows? It that happen. would be great. So, so now you get Scoot, you get LaMelo, you get Bronny, mm-hmm. you get LeBron James, mm-hmm. you have Mark Williams, and all of a sudden you're That's a six seed right there. <laughs> At least. Six seed. <laughs> At least. That is a first round competitive bounce, though. I'm even sick. if it's a bounce. It's competitive. Give me the six seed. I'm sick, daddy. Oh, yeah. The six seed is what we're always pushing for. Um, maybe it might be a little bit harder this year. Just a little bit. The sick. We should call it instead of the sixth seed. We should call it the sixth seed. That's what we're saying. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought that was the joke, to be honest. Oh, I kept okay. rolling with it. Well, so, now we've yeah. confirmed that it okay. is a joke. <laughs> I love your shirt. <laughs> yeah. Swish, baby. Go ahead. Glenn Rice, six seed. That's what they were getting to. Um, Let's talk about the departure of one coach that was pretty celebrated on this squad so much so that Charlotte wanted to retain him when they were looking for their new coach last offseason. Jay Hernandez leaves Charlotte for Brooklyn. Steve Clifford, he did have one of the largest coaching staffs in the NBA this past season because of what I was just talking about, right? The Hornets wanted to hold over a few of the coaching assistants. Um, Because of of their immense talent, right? It it had nothing to do with the amount of money that they were contractually obligated to pay these people when they abruptly fired James Borrego, who they were also on the hook for paying for. It had nothing to do with that. It was their connections with the current roster and all of that, so forth and so on. What what I will say is, like, no, you're totally right about that because there was that reporting. That was one of, like, the hand handful of excuses Kenny Atkinson used as to why he wanted to stay in Golden State. Look, you can put Prowse to it. That's fine. Uh, I I can I can believe that a little more when there's not the other excuses surrounding it. Like, well, we're just going to stay in Golden State. Well, we're just I mean, you knew the situation before you took the job. I mean, you did you did. So anyways, that's fine. What I'll say about Jay Hernandez, he is I mean, a lot of people point to him and say, I got better because that guy was on the staff. None other than Kemba Walker, where we all saw the dribbling, uh, the dribble routines before games between Jay and Kemba. Kemba gave him a lot of, of lot, a lot of praise for him being on the staff. I think a lot of people too, like Nick Friedman, yeah. I think is a good assistant coach on this squad, just with the relationship mm-hmm. that you hear he's built with players, um, especially being like the the liaison between the G League and Charlotte, and a lot of people really gravitated towards a relationship with him. So I think those are the two guys that come to mind as far as being good coaches on that staff. And plus, I think Jay Hernandez just being a great guard mind, Doug. If you're going to get Scoot Henderson, you have LaMelo Ball. I do think you lose the most valuable coach on the assistant staff when talking about LaMelo being your best player. And if we want to draft Scoot, now you're losing a guard-minded coach. It hurts a little bit, in my opinion. I don't know what that means to less losses or whatever, but it does suck. Like I'd certainly rather have him than not. Yeah, and I wouldn't expect a replacement at this point. I wouldn't expect any more additions to the coaching staff uh, because it is already large, and I think Mm -hmm. Steve Clifford – was softly lamenting that in an interview that he did with Adrian Wojnarowski on the Woj pod before the season got started, uh, that there's been some, you know, overinflation of coaching staffs uh, since he's been in the league. He did say that, yeah. 
So I wouldn't expect them to add anyone. You know, I don't think that this devastates the team. I agree. Jay was an asset. Uh, Nick was an asset. Uh, and ultimately, I think all of these guys, whether they're Clifford guys or Borrego guys, ought to see the writing on the wall and understand that when you're in the midst of a team that could possibly sell, <laughs> that you ought to go to LinkedIn and, you know, brush off the old CV and make sure that everything's, you know, looking good. And if, they're an op- and if an opportunity comes your way, and that's the problem, by the way, with being involved in these team sale rumors and why I hope whether Michael Jordan remains the owner or decides to sell, I hope this gets resolved in a public way, like where he's saying, I'm staying and I'm committed or I'm selling goodbye, or I guess not goodbye, but I'm going to take a back seat or whatever. I hope it gets resolved quickly because it's hard to both obtain and retain talent in that kind of uncertain environment. It is. And we'll see exactly how it all unfolds this off season, but we have no clue who's going to be an authority figure. Do you hear the beagle barking in the background? Cause he's going crazy right now. I think he's taking it a little harder that Jay Hernandez is leaving than I am. So I think with that, we probably end the show with old Guinness, just howling Oof. back in the background. All right. That'll do it for locks on Hornets. Thanks again for making us your first Ow. listen every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. Make sure you check out game to game NBA, Ow. 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 every top performance, every result from across the league. Check it out anywhere. The you Hornets hounds are out in the boot. Oh man. The bumpuses. Damn you. Bumpuses. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 